welcome to the Completely Machinima podcast. Uh, I'm here with, uh, my name is Phil Rice, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Tracy Harwood, Damian Hello. Valentine, Hello. Hello. Yes, sir. Just a reminder, we're changing up the format a little bit now to where uh, the emphasis on news is going to be over on our blog. So, um, Ricky, if you want to mention maybe some of the highlights of what's going to be coming up over there very soon. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of news. Uh, we put together a lot of stuff. Um, there's a very the the primary focus is on AI generated art. That's been a huge uh, issue in the last couple of months with the release of uh, several new uh, AI generation tools. And Getty Images has come up with a specific um, a policy about not using any of that. Although they they very carefully state that you still Photoshop images where you're using photos and combining them is okay, but they draw the line at at uh, hmm. uh, AI generated art. Um, we want to talk about the implications for machinima. Um, also, there's a really interesting film that combined live action with AI generated art called The Crow. We just love that film. We'll embed it with the news archive. And then uh, uh, lots of other little pieces with Omniverse Machinima, um, virtual production with Unreal. And Linden Labs, interestingly, is coming up with a puppetry project where you can puppet in real time uh, your Second Life characters. That, I think, is really, really interesting. Nice. And so check out our blog. At completelymachinima.com. It'll have a whole list and links for all of the news. Uh, Tracy, we're going to cut over to you. We've got some uh, interesting feedback from our uh, the listeners of the podcast. Why don't you tell us about that? Absolutely. We've got feedback from every film that we, uh, on every film that we featured last month. Well, that's excellent. Um, and first up, uh, Friedrich Kirschner, whom I have to say I haven't heard from in about 100 years. Uh, got in touch um if you remember we talked about the film that he created called person 2184 um which was this um fantastic um mod that he'd he'd made um that was released when well we couldn't figure out when it was released um and he's cleared that up for us he said person 2184 was released in 2005 and it was premiered at the machinima film festival that year um, I must say it was lovely to hear from him. Um, didn't really get a chance to say what he's up to now, but we'll look forward to hearing from him again soon. Yeah, so yeah. that's really cool. Hey, um, hey, yes, absolutely. Um, we, uh, if you remember, we also talked about a trailer for a Warhammer 40k film made by Erasmus uh, Brosdow called Oh the yeah, Inquisitor Prologue. And if you remember, we were looking for the full um, version of the film because we couldn't find it. Well, Erasmus got in touch and said um, the film was never completed um, because of licensing problems um, in the end with Warhammer 40K. He said the hmm. project became so big um, that it was problematic to continue without official support. And even while it was more than tolerated at the start, it was never officially supported or endorsed. I must say, I was really sorry to hear that. Yeah, as too. we said, these kinds of projects are perfect argument, really, for why platforms such as Unity and Unreal Engine and Godot and, and various others are great future options. Um, he also said his film was rendered in CryEngine. 
Um, and I, I must say, I think um, I'd certainly uh, like to encourage him to um, continue to develop new projects. Um, and I hope that, that the experience with this one hasn't killed his enthusiasm for um, the uh, storytelling that he's clearly quite good at. Yeah. Um, so that's that's um, that's from Erasmus. And then Martin Bell got in touch. Um, he really enjoyed our review uh, and says he's definitely making more stuff, um, especially for you, Ricky. Uh, and he'll be in touch as and when. Uh, I can't wait to, to see that. It's really nice to see that Prasenberg Ridge um, is also attracting an awful lot of media attention too now, which is which is fantastic. Um, Martin's done um, loads of follow up interviews, so you can find out more about that. Um, project and his creative process in those. So glad to hear that. That's such a brilliant little film. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and also, we've heard from Mark Coverdale, one of the two creators of Facing the Wolf. Um, he's also got in touch to say how much he enjoyed our review and feedback on what he says was the first poetic machinima they'd ever created. Um, he particularly enjoyed how the film provoked us to invoke. Wilfred Owen, Nine Inch Nails, and Bertolt Brett. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's our eclectic taste. <laughs> uh, so it's great to have you all um, interested in in what we've been talking about on the on those. Oh, that's films. great. I'm so glad. Mm. Me too. We were we were very honest in that discussion. That was that was a discussion that stayed with me for a couple of days. Yeah. Me too. About it, I think we really got to the nub of that and. It's it's partly the fact that we've been doing this for over a year and we're comfortable with each other, but also the fact that we have three different ways of looking at the world or four different ways of looking at the world. And I think that all came uh, became clear as we were talking about this provo provocative film. And I bet you the filmmaker was secretly very happy that he created such a kerfluffle. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Um, and that's it. I've got no more feedback. Oh, okay. great. Well, we encourage uh, uh, those of you out there uh, who'd, who'd like to give us feedback of any kind. Uh, we, we, of course, welcome that. There's several different ways that you can do so, all of which are uh, available on the talk section of our website, which is completelymachinima.com. So we're going to jump into uh, talking about a, a film selection that I made this week, and it's 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 not our normal type of pick. We usually focus on actual uh, productions. Uh, this is more one about learning production, which I found uh, very valuable um, and a, a good reminder of some principles related to that. The, the, the video is titled, How I Learned Unity, without following tutorials. It's the first in, in a series of these that he does, but this one I felt like was the most uh, fundamental and, and valuable. Who's the creator's name? What's his name? Um, let me see. Mark Brown. Yeah, Mark Thank Brown. Thank you. That's Mark right. Brown. Hi, I'm Mark Brown, and I am making my own video game. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, basically, he is he's walking through uh, his process that he went through to try and learn Unity, uh, the Unity 3D platform for the purpose of making a video game. And he started out knowing almost nothing about the platform and wanted to learn it. And uh, if you're either new to this craft or perhaps you used a tool for many, many years and then it got abandoned 
And so you're forced to learn a new platform. I don't know anyone like that, but maybe you do. <laughs> and so it's a matter of, okay, so how do I, how do I get started here? How do I learn? And just one look on YouTube nowadays and just about any skill related to this area that you would want to learn. There's tons of tutorials out there um, There for, I mean, it's computer programming. You can go and there's a course, learn Python in four hours. Boom. There it mm. is. Mm. Ten, different projects that you build. And they've mm -hmm. got those for unity. They're out there for unreal. There's some for iClone. There's some really good tutorial makers for iClone. Um, but the, the most common type of tutorial that someone will gravitate to is one that is comprehensive, so to speak, at least comprehensive of the basics. So it's, you know, nothing. So we're going to go through everything, every single step. And then we're going to make these, these projects, one or more little <laughs> projects to show you how the platform works. And what Mark described in his video was a phenomenon that, that I've encountered myself, which is he went through one of those for unity and, you know, had probably, I imagine he had some kind of a dual monitor set up where the, the tutorials on one screen and the applications open on the other. Right. And so, right. okay, said to do this. All right, I'm going to click my mouse on that and boom, boom. And at the end of it, he has a working little mini game there. And then what he describes in this video is then I went to make something of my own. And so I opened up Unity with a blank slate and realized I didn't even know where to begin. <laughs> you know it's like and, and basically it's it's such a true phenomenon that that yes. that style of learning where just go through and and click on what they tell you to does not always yield yeah any level of mastery of the platform uh i think that's completely true and i'm not an idiot i mean i i, I i've been doing this a while um and and i've got a halfway decent brain i think but that is exactly my experience when diving into a new platform and trying to follow along, so to speak, Yes. Uh, with someone else creating something. At the end of that, usable info for starting your own creation uh, is very lacking. And his solution for that I found very interesting, which is to uh, think of things in, uh, to tackle things in smaller parts you know, to focus on a particular task and learn that completely and then move on to another thing. So right, if we're right, looking right. in the context of, say, iClone, for example, of, all right, so what I'm going to learn first is how do I create a character that I want in using Character Creator 4? It is still Character Creator 4, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. New number now? I've lost track. They've been, they've been teasing 5, but it yeah. hasn't come out yet. So... Creating the character and and taking that on as a task and really learning everything there is to know about that. And then maybe the next thing is uh, I want to learn how to, I, I want to design a set of some kind. And frankly, that should be broken into smaller parts, if you ask me, because an exterior set is right. a completely different endeavor than an interior one. Right. And there are tutorials for those things too, but they aren't the ones that necessarily come up in your search when you're searching for how do I learn iClone? you know, from the beginning, you're going to find those very lengthy and comprehensive tutorials, but that end up, I, I don't think that for all people, maybe for many people, that those jive with a process that's going to yield retention of useful information. 
Um, it's certainly a good way to do an overview and see it, but to actually learn it, um, I, I found that his approach very much is what I've found true as well. And not just for Unity or iClone or Unreal, but e even in terms of learning, if, if someone wants to learn how to use uh, music software, which I've had to do at various times over the years, even though I've been a musician for forever, but you know, that didn't make me any kind of expert in how to use Cubase as a multi-tracker, for example, to, to compose music or how to get the right sound out of virtual instruments. Um, and yeah, the, a tutorial that goes through every single aspect of that, it's just too much information. So his focus yeah. seems to be focus on the tasks you know you need to do that you need to know how to do and master those one at a time. And uh, it's very smart. And it's also not new, that idea, I don't think. But it, I, I think I needed a reminder of it uh, because it's very easy to get overwhelmed. And, and how demoralizing it is if you watch an eight-hour video of someone showing you everything there is to know about how to make something with Unreal. And then you just go, all right, now I'm going to make my little film. Uh, where do I start? <laughs> I think it's a very real phenomenon. Yeah. The issue is, is that you learn the details, but you don't learn the concepts. Yes. Of how of the workflow, you don't learn the various components of it. You just learn. You follow it by rote. I also think there's another factor in there that with this fellow is that he's a good teacher. Yes. Now you can go to YouTube or you can go to many other places. You can get a hundred tutorials on how to use Blender, a hundred tutorials on how to. Um, to unity but really there's only a small percentage of the people who are good teachers because they in their lessons they give you the concepts first and then they do the details so they actually practice that process you've been describing in their tutorial so when you finish with them you can come back and you go okay at the start and if you need to you can go back and rewatch just that section and then jump into it but you're absolutely right that i've had it happen and it's really demoralizing because you feel like you put all this effort into it and then you're just like what do yeah, i do i think there's that and i think also <laughs> there's a, a sense of if someone is highly experienced with a tool but maybe not as good a teacher they'll leave out they'll assume certain knowledge yeah you just can't assume for someone new and the, the, <clears throat> the example of that that i think of is a lesson that I, I learned back in uh, one of my teachers in elementary school uh, did this experiment when we were in like third grade. And they said, all right, I want you to, he, he put a jar of peanut butter and a jar of jelly and a knife, a couple slices of bread and a plate. I said, all right, I want you to document the steps to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And so the person would do it and they'd write down, you know, and then the experiment would be, take those instructions that that person had written down and give it to someone else. And their instruction <laughs> is do only what is written on that paper for your instructions, <laughs> nothing else. And yeah, it was alarming <laughs> how much stuff such as unscrew the top of the peanut butter jar was left out, you know, and it's a silly and kind of childish example, but it's a, it's a principle that's really stuck with me that, that there are, things that if you get really good at something 
you tend to just assume everybody knows how to do those things. Yes. So yes. A, a really good, I think, a, a good educational resource for these kinds of very, very complicated softwares that we're using for this stuff. I mean, even if you're making it in a game, it is so complicated. So yeah, those, those details matter. Those, those small steps matter. And um, yeah, you're right, Ricky. It's, it's, you know, there are tons and tons of tutorials out there, but you're right. It's a small percentage that are uh, really good quality instruction. And I think there's several principles to that, many of which you, you, you mentioned there. Yeah. So. Shall yeah. I come in? Shall I come in? Please. I thought I thought what he got is really, you know, bearing in mind I'm a, an academic and a teacher, really, really solid advice. You don't learn everything all at once. And I'd really go along with that. What you do is familiarise and experiment as you kind of go along. So you're figuring out what you want to do. And then he says using um, tutorials and Google and asking people and you make use of whatever you can. But basically what you're doing is bootstrapping new knowledge onto existing knowledge. Yes, and, it, and it's a really good way of reinforcing what you know. Just to your point about making a a peanut um, point. peanut what do you call it peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which I have to say sounds absolutely disgusting. No, oh, it's wonderful! It's, oh, it's <laughs> great over there. Oh man, <laughs> we don't do those things here. Uh, lemon curd, uh, lemon curd. I want one right now. Thank God we separated from the UK back in the Revolutionary War. <laughs> oh God. Anyway. Thank goodness for the Boston peanut party, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But then, he, then he, he makes some other really interesting points, which I just kind of want to sort of reflect on a minute. He talks about repeating what you do. Yes. Uh, and then he talks about plagiarizing the works of others to learn best practice. Now, if you remember, we, we had a discussion about that uh, a couple of months back when we talked about the guy that had made the opening scene of Top Gun in that flight sim game. Um, and basically what what um, Mark Brown in here is saying is reverse engineering what someone else has done and then creating something like it uh, with the smallest possible steps um, you can so that you can recreate what they've done is is potentially really very helpful. Um, but he's I think he's kind of missing the point that I was trying to make back back a couple of months ago, really, which is not it's not really cricket to sort of or it's certainly not cricket in industry to make the same as somebody else has already. I think you've got to think about how you add your own stamp to something. Um, and then he also says you've got to figure out what the key component is in the making process. Um, and in his report, what he's talking about is that not all of the components have equal weighting. So he's talking about making games and he's saying that the the underpinning thing is the interaction design on which all these other components sit. And that I don't I don't think that's necessarily the same kind of thing that you would think about when you're making a film. But I guess the point is still very relevant. You've got to figure out what is the key component on which every other bit of it sits. Yeah. Um, so you so you take that as a as a, a kind of a key point. He also makes the point about creating a prototype and testing it very quickly with, I'm assuming what he means a po is a possible target audience. Now, if you if you think about this, probably um, probably this is something that most machinima creators um, 
do very well if they're embedded in a in a community because it's rooted very much in in machinima the fact that you 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 create something in real real time um you pre-visit um you you test it out that way you share it and get some kind of feedback on it and what we're seeing now given that we've got more professionals in this arena than we've had before is people sharing more work in progress type shots um, which don't seem to me to be the same kind of thing as what what he's referring to as prototypes. But I guess it's, you know, maybe more more concepts that are being shared to your point, Ricky. Um, but the prototype idea, I think, is quite, quite useful. Mm. Um, and also, I think what people are doing now more that more than they ever used to is sharing tutorials as a way of showing prototypes. Is that is that an aspect of machinima? Too now it maybe is um the analogy of game um, game development and machinima creation um does however kind of break down in, in a few places um uh, but maybe what you need to do is hold on to the fact that you're using a game engine and you're creating a game world in which you are then going to film so what you're doing is combining these kind of unique techniques if you like um so you are so you are in effect creating an interface design but with filmmaking processes mixed in it which is kind of different to what he's referring to in this in this video what i particularly yeah. like with this approach is something that he sums up in the in the video too which is the emergent nature of aspects of the creative process through through what he's suggesting you can try new things explore new ways uh, of doing things and just see what happens um and in our i guess in our filmmaking machinima world it isn't something that you can just storyboard at the outset, but mainly because what we're talking about here is using real-time processes, which are really quick and dirty creative techniques. And, it, and it's something that um, filmmakers have used Machinima for for many years, including professional filmmakers. It's something that we've commented on again and again over the years, the fact that you can prototype um bits of film content using machinima um but what's different now i think is the fact that we've got really high quality graphics uh, and almost rendering in real time as part of a virtual production technique which is slightly different to how it's it's been in the past so our world of machinima is rapidly changing i think um but what i will say is the kind of approach that he's talking about is something we very much do in teaching processes, certainly it's what we do at university. Um, this idea of bootstrapping things onto other things that people are more familiar with. Um, but the bit about building the experience loop is, is absolutely the most important part of this. And it's the thing that tends to get um, pushed by the wayside, I think, in education, primarily because it's down to the, to the learner to do it on their own. Uh, and they don't often, they leave it um, or you know, they'll go out and do a job and then maybe they'll need to revisit it at some future point, but they don't often do the practice bit. Um, and I think that's a point that's very well made um, by Mark in this video. Um, so really enjoyed listening to what he had to say. And it's great not to hear the same kind of comments out of an academic mouth, <laughs> but somebody that's actually there doing it for real. Yeah, yeah. Good, yeah, I had that in... same. Go ahead, Ricky. Good insight. Really yeah. I like your perspective on it, Tracy. 
Tracy, okay. you kind of picked up on the point I was going to make, which was um, about how he talks about um, basically copying an existing game and how we talked about that with Top Gun. So instead, I'm going to think, I'm going to talk about the um, prototyping aspect. Mm -hmm. um, I do something similar with, uh, especially Edge of the Empire. Now, everyone who knows me knows I'm really into Star Wars and I've read all the books and everything. Um, and I have a friend, her name's Freya, and she is exactly the same. She's read all the books. So anytime I'm making a, an obscure aspect of, a, you know, a character doesn't appear very often, uh, has only appeared in the book, so you, you've got no visual idea other than description in the book, I will create the character, whatever it is, I will send it to her and say, do you know what this is? And if she says yes, and she knows what it is, I know I've done a good job of recreating this um, ah. thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and if she says no, then I know I've got to go back and, and uh, work <laughs> on a bit more. Um, good. Yeah. And the other part of it is I stream some of the making of live. That I'm doing something. So I had this one room. I built the model of the room and I put the furniture in it, but I didn't know what kind of lighting to put in it. So what I did is I streamed it. And I asked for the audience feedback, what kind of lighting do you think this would work with this? And I explained what the scene was and you know who the room belongs to. And said, uh, they said, go with purple lighting because it suits the character. Uh, he would go for this more exotic lighting. It was Lando Carizian who owned the, the, the place. Right. And so I listened to them, I put it in live on stream and it worked. And that's what ended up being in the actual oh, final excellent. film. So excellent. This idea of prototyping, okay, he's talking about video game development and you do it differently. But as far as film goes, it's easy to get feedback from people that you know and trust to have an idea. Like my friend mm -hmm. Freya, she knows all the content, so she's an actual person to ask. Or right. the audience just who are watching the stream, they could see what was looking good as we experiment in different colors. And they gave me some ideas that I hadn't thought of. So yeah, it's worth doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really liked uh, his discussion of that, uh, the prototyping and reverse engineering. It it made me think of, yeah, that Top Gun one we'd looked at and many other times over the years. I mean, even going back to, you know, early days when uh, Hugh Hancock and company, you know, tried to recreate a, a scene from The Matrix, for example. And, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. that's what that's precisely what he was doing there. Yeah. Uh, he probably had additional motives given his position in the community at that time. For him, it was also about demonstrating to everybody else, look at what can be done, you know. But uh, I think from a, a personal learner's perspective, yeah, that's that's valuable. I mean, I, I look at, at my earlier days of uh, making music, and as soon as I got my hands on a keyboard that could make you know, more than just piano sounds. Yeah, I, I found myself, you know, trying to re recreate the sound of a particular track of an artist that I liked. Not so that I could then put that out there as, you know, my name on it or like theft or anything of that sort. It was, okay, now I know how they achieved that particular sound and I can use that. I can extract that from their context and use it in mine. And and yeah, it's, 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 uh, it is. It's a valuable part of the learning process um, to do those things. And the difference is nowadays you you do that and then other people can see it. You know, it, what what was your self-education on, okay, how did, you know, something as simple as 
I can remember the first time we got camera control of any kind in Machinima, everyone's obsession was, what field of vision tricks can I do to recreate <laughs> that Roy Scheider scene from Jaws where he, you know, where, whatever that's called, there's a technique yeah, to yeah, it, yeah, right? Yeah. Where so you're we do pushing that? in and then pulling back at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, right? the, yeah. There's there's a term for it, and I'm such a filmmaking idiot. I'm I have no idea what it's called at all, but I know it when I see it, right? You know, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Th those things are are useful. And does it mean that every single one of my films is going to have that moment? No, of course not. Oh, That's uh. silly. Um, but it's one of those things where I saw someone else do that, or I heard someone else do that. If we're looking at music. Or sound effects as well, you know. Wow, what an interesting sound that is. How did they do that? Yeah. And so not only prototyping and and to a degree imitative work, but experimentation, which I know Ricky is is huge for you. Uh, Love it. it. Love it. it. It's it's important, and amazing things can happen. And then you you tack onto that the the element that uh, Damien just brought up of given the real-time aspect of everything and the free flow that we now have for interaction, yeah, you can actually uh, involve the audience in the creative process in ways that just were not possible mm -hmm. um, just a few years ago. And that's yeah. just, that's some really good things are going to come of that. They already are, I think. So uh, how would you sum up the message for people, machinima creators who want to, get tutorials, find tutorials for what they're working on based on the, this fellow's concepts. How would you sum that up? Yeah, I've been thinking about that. It's, 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 it's hard to, to say, like how, we, we, we spoke about there's different quality of, of teaching going on. How do, how do you identify that? That's, that's hard. I don't, I don't know if I know how to, to quantify that. Um, well, the tutorials I find most helpful with iClone are when they focus on one specific feature, like yeah. um, how to change the lighting. And that, that's all they talk about is the lighting. And then you can learn just that. And you don't have to worry about any of the other features. It's just that's the bit you want to know about. You can learn just that bit. And then you can play around with it and figure out how it, what you want to do for, for, the, you know, for there. Most of the people who produce those task-based tutorials, that ends up being what they produce for a lot of their videos. So I guess it it might be pick a particular task that you want to learn or need to learn. And if it's the most basic one, then it might just be help me understand the interface to this program. Yeah. Or maybe it is something related to lighting or camera control or whatever, and find yeah, a good yeah. tutorial on that and then go visit that person's channel because it's, it's quite likely that they've got several of those. Right. And YouTube's algorithm, for all the people bellyache about it sometimes, uh, it can be really helpful in that regard because you start watching those and then watch your right-hand column. Other suggestions from other creators are going to show up with mm -hmm. similar targeted tutorials. And before you know it, you've 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 made some progress. So, yeah, I right, think that, right. that may be the way to go is pick a task, find a good tutorial on that, and then, you know, follow that creator right, and see right. what else they've done. Yeah. And perhaps avoid the, you know, following the technique of following piece by piece by piece, you know, moment by moment by moment without understanding the larger picture of of how the program works. Yes. Because because as you were saying earlier, you end up 
learning a bunch of details, but not understanding how they all connect together in the program. Yeah, you invest a lot of time. And at the end of it, uh, I, I've done that. I've actually purchased, back when you had to purchase good tutorials, I've purchased tutorials <laughs> for iClone and for Unity and have gone through them. And I couldn't, I couldn't do anything on my own after yeah. those. Um, and it, it it is, it's discouraging. It, it feels like a big investment of your time. And in some cases, a few dollars only to not have anything usable. And, and yeah, I think this guy's hit on uh, a better approach for that, for sure. I'd also like to point out that the difference between written tutorials and um, video tutorials, I find written tutorials suffer from that detail focused process and video tutorials are uh, the ones that are good by good teachers avoid that because you can watch say say if it's broken up into four parts you can watch the first part three or four times because it's short and then go go through and try it out i use my laptop as my second monitor so i'll look at that i'll watch it flat the first time without doing anything. The second time I'll open up the program and maybe sketch out a few things. And by the third time, I've got it in my memory. Yeah. Whereas it doesn't happen that way in a written tutorials for some reason. I don't find myself able to go back and retain the way I can with a video tutorial. Is that, what do you do you have that experience as well, Phil? I do. Uh, I I think probably the best of both worlds is is a video tutorial that is accompanied by a written supplement. Of ah, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's hard. I mean, how do they even, it's hard to distribute um, and, oh. and, and hard to find and, and hard to find somebody who, who's going to invest. It takes a lot of time to put together good, good written material and a video tutorial. So, yeah. but yeah, I agree. If, if, if forced to choose between the two, I mean, I, I recently got the latest version of Cubase and enough of it has changed to where, yeah, I've got quite a bit of learning to do before I can. It's it's been like nine versions since I since I upgraded, and there's a big old user manual online. But that's not where I'm going to look first. I'll keep that nearby to consult, but it's not really going to tell me how to do what I want to know how to do. The other uh, whereas advantage, another user who's actually used the program is going to be able to do that. Yeah. The other advantage video tutorials have is if you got a text tutorial and they don't explain one step correctly and you're completely you're, lost you're screwed you're screwed <laughs> if you're watching a video tutorial and the person narrating it doesn't explain it well you can still see what they're doing right so you can see where the mouse cursor yeah. is going or what they're clicking on so if yeah. they mess up their own explanation you can still learn from what they're doing because you can see it right that's, that's a, good, a point. good point yeah but With nightmare to... go ahead you still have to remember there's a big difference between tacit and explicit knowledge you cannot explain to somebody how to ride a bike true yeah you have to do it you have to do it yeah and you, my experience it, with nightmare puppeteer was interesting because m dot strange did a uh uh a, 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 um oh what's the word a, a, a written tutorials for everything and then he did a series of video tutorials, about 15 of them. And, yeah. you know, he has this sort of 
style that can either invigorate you or put you off, you know, because it's so ebullient and and out there, you know. Well, he did them in character, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he he curses so often too. That could, I find it amusing. But anyway, the the funny thing is, is that I found myself going with the text. I was using the text for keyboard shortcuts because he did all the lists of them with art, which isn't necessarily clear in the video. So actually the two complemented each other and yeah. he created episodes. So for example, how to get your character, how to create your character and how to get it into your scene. So I was able to watch that 10 minute thing five or six times before I finally had it down and I could move on to the next, next step. It took a little effort, but once I got it, again, it, it's like that tacit and implicit, uh, Tracy. Once I understood what that was, I could do it again, no problem. Mm -hmm. Great pick, Phil. Yeah. Oh, thank yep. you. Thank you. Well, that is it for uh, this episode. Uh, join us for the next one where we'll dig into the next uh, machinima or machinima related film. Uh, I guess that's that. Uh, well, well. how about anybody who has any kind of comment about the tutorials that they like or they want to recommend particular tutorials, contact us at talk at completelymachinima.com. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, I think with the, with the volume of tutorials out there, the challenge is curation, right? Yeah. Finding yeah, the yeah. good stuff. So if, uh, if you want to help others do that, let us know and we'll let everyone else know. Yep. Thanks. Thanks very much, everyone. Thanks. See ya. Bye. Bye.